It's the 5th of July. I'm Buffy Gorilla, and this is The Constant Investor, and I'm speaking with Dr. Graham Blum, who is located in New South Wales. Is that correct, Dr. Blum? I am indeed. I'm in Orange in New South Wales, which is about 300 kilometres or about 350 kilometres west of Sydney. I hear it's, it's a, a beautiful be- part of the world. I have to say that has made it to Melbourne. I, they must be doing some excellent tourist um, information there. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got wine and uh, food. So we have wine week and food week and uh, we get uh, lots of visitors because it's such a beautiful area, especially in spring and autumn. Excellent. And so tell me, Dr. Blum, what sort of doctor are you and a little bit about your background? I'm a psychiatrist. Um, um, and I moved out to Orange 10 years ago. I'd been practicing, I, I've been practicing psychiatry now for, frighteningly enough, <laughs> over 35 years, about 36 or 37 years. Um, so I'd, uh, I trained in my original psychiatry in Newcastle. Then after a few years, I spent some time training further in Canada and then back in Newcastle and in Sydney for about, oh, about nearly 20 years, um, mainly doing psychotherapy. And then I decided to move out to uh, Orange. I got sick of the city and moved out to Orange. And at the time was the only one of about two or three private psychiatrists west of the Blue Mountains in the whole of Western New South Wales. So it was fun times back then. (laughs) Uh, So I've been here about 10 years. And how many psychiatrists are there now? Do you have any idea? Uh, oh, about five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's been a traumatic increase. We've got a unit. We've got, uh, uh, I think there might be a unit now in Albury and and there is a, a private inpatient unit. So we've got one here in uh, Orange. And so we drain oh, as far west, it was sometimes even to Broken Hill, but mostly they go to South Australia. So Burke um, and uh, out to Pinnaparabran and... Uh, so we, we drained well, probably hundreds, if not thousands, of square miles and uh, lots of patients. So we, we 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 mainly are looking after people with mood disorders. Okay. It's, uh, it's fairly busy, but it's it's great work. And do you go out for house calls, or do you primarily just work in your office? Oh God, no! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rather too big area. No, well, it sounded like it, but I just see. didn't know if if you were. Uh, you went above and beyond in mobility for your patients. Uh, I do that already. <laughs> That's what I would have thought. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you made your investing start. Oh, I was thinking about that because I, I, uh, I've listened to a few of these. They're very interesting. Okay. I, I started uh, investing, I think, when I was about 16 or 17, I think I bought my first share. Um, I, I'd saved beer bottles <laughs> and sold beer bottles um, and we, uh, my friend and I used the money to buy our first share uh, and this was back during the preceding boom so shares were very, I don't, it's a bit probably a long time before your time but the preceding boom was rather like the tech, tech boom in, uh, in the US in the uh, late 19, uh, 1990s mm-hmm. um, and uh, so shares were going amok and I thought this was a, a way for a poor boy from Bankstown to make his millions. <laughs> uh, I didn't, <laughs> unfortunately, but it kind of piqued my interest for uh, 
for shares and I've in, uh, shares and in investing and I've probably I've been a reasonably active investor both in the market and in private companies now for ever since uh, off and on I mean you know my work also takes up quite a lot of time but um, yeah so I've been fairly active over over many many years and are you still Don't friends with right your yet. and are you still friends with your investing buddy from back in the day uh, no, <laughs> I haven't seen him in, in some time, actually. Uh, but, but, yeah, you know, these things come and go. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a fallout uh, over a bad investment? Uh, no, 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 nothing like that. No, just, you know, just apart over time, that's all. <laughs> so what sort of sectors are you interested in and what are you watching at the moment? Um, well, I don't really watch sectors. I don't think of it. I I'm, I look for value. Okay. Um, and um, um, so I, I try and find shares, and I've got various screeners uh, that I use to try and um, uh, find shares that are trading at deep discounts if possible. I also use the Constant Investor and a couple of other of your opposition uh, to get ideas. Uh, and and then I go through and value them myself. Um, so it's more very much uh, a bottom up rather than looking at sectors or particular areas. Uh, it's difficult at the moment because I think this market is overvalued. I invest in the USA as well, which is also overvalued, but because it's such a large market, there's nearly always stocks you can buy that are cheap. And so what are some of the screeners? Because I know we heard from um, Maria, a couple of constant investor or community catch-ups ago, and she had quite a range of um, advice and screeners that she used. What what sort of things are you up to? Oh, well, she, she was doing, uh, I recall her, she was doing primarily technical analysis. Mm. So she was looking, I'm assuming, at moving averages and uh, momentum oscillators and things like that. I, I used to uh, trade more actively using... Uh, technical analysis and proceeded to lose some more money. Um, one learns through losing money in investing. It's a it's a, it's a very very sharp lesson, but you do learn. Uh, so I, I don't use too much in the way of technical analysis. Although I was really interested in Percy's work on market timing, uh, but the screeners I use are more um, um, fundamental screeners. Things like uh, EV uh, enterprise value to EBITDA. Uh, price earnings, price to book, those sorts of things, um, just to try and establish what's trading uh, at, at the cheapest price. I also sometimes look at um, more quality uh, analyses like return on invested capital. So it's kind of based on, uh, there was a guy called Joel, there is a guy who's still around, called Joel Greenblatt, um, who wrote a, a little book called um, How to Beat the Market, um, or the little book on how to beat the market, which was a really interesting book. And uh, and uh, I've read quite a bit on value investing, so I've drawn my ideas from there. And so do you have any tips or companies that our community might want to look at on their own? Is there anything that's performing well for you? Uh, well, no. <laughs> As I said, the, 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 the market at the moment is fairly de- uh, expensive. I'm looking at Green Cross, which you talked about oh, some yes, weeks the ago. Oh, yes, pet company. And, 
Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and uh, it's looking just a little expensive for my tastes. Um, but it's, it's, it, I mean, I like the aggregator model and I don't think it's going to be disrupted too much by um, um, Amazon, which is why the price has dropped. Um, unfortunately, it started to rebound. I suspect that might come back, but I could be wrong, unfortunately. I was looking previously at PMP, which I really liked. Um, again, it's a, it's a kind of turnaround situation, but it, um, it got away from me. The trouble is I work fairly lengthy hours and then I'm trying to do my investing on, you know, in my spare time. Plus I've got, um, five acres and, you know, I look after the garden. So I'm, it's not like I've got lots of time and the trouble is sometimes the shares get away before you can uh, get into them if the market's kind of a bit warm and, and curiously for, the kinds of stocks I'm looking at, they do seem to be uh, fairly volatile at the moment. Mm. Yes, I, I imagine. You should get a, an iPad mounted on your riding lawnmower so you can monitor <laughs> as you go along, kill a couple... Sitting on the tractor in my suit with a, <laughs> with a computer. That's not so funny. There's a lot of guys who are out on the big uh, farms who do exactly that. Oh. They, uh, they, well, the tractors are run by lasers, uh, and they just roll back and forth, uh, um, cutting the, you know, cutting or cultivating. Um, and you know, the, these are huge properties, so they'll sit there with their iPads and uh, trade or do whatever their interest is. <laughs> um, um, but no, I'm not only on five acres. I run through my neighbour's fence. <laughs> <laughs> Safety first. And is there any advice that you've received as an investor that you've taken, good or bad? Um, well, um, I, I don't know that I, it's so much advice, but I think what I've learned is um, be very careful of people spruiking ideas. Uh, everyone uh, will tell you how to make money. Uh, mostly they have their own interests at heart rather than yours. Uh, and so you need to be very, very cautious of uh, people um, offering advice. <laughs> that would be my, my advice. Um, and, uh, and, and I think the thing that I found, and I guess I drag this from medicine rather than uh, from stocks, is the importance of evidence uh, of, you know, developing data and making sure that your approach is data-driven rather than um, rather than what you feel or what you think or what your mate says or whatever. Um, the more I've invested, uh, the importance of, of data is, uh, and, and evidence for your technique, um, I, I think is really important. Um, and, and there's good, good evidence for value um, investing, really good evidence over many, many decades of research. Um, and I was interested... Um, uh, Alan had on a guy called Stephen Yee a couple of weeks ago. I'd suggested the, this guy to him uh, who wrote a paper on momentum investing mm. and, and um, Percy is kind of talking about momentum investing. And the Australian market does seem like it's rather different, which is possibly why I struggle here more than in the US, uh, because it, 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 a momentum seems to be more important or at least as important as value, probably because it's a very small market uh, and easily moved. Yes, because didn't Stephen say that the combination of momentum and value is the best bet for investors? 
that's what he thought, and that's certainly what I've been trying to look at. I, I searched high and low trying to read his paper because I was interested in his methodology. He was using, as far as I could gather, uh, the change in total return over 12 months um, and, and an absolute change in total return. So just looking at all the stocks with the highest change in total return, whereas I gather Percy is using a kind of uh, moving averages plus momentum, which is measuring similar but not exactly mm-hmm. the same sorts of things. Well, it sounds like you're reading quite a lot on the investments. I do read a lot. <laughs> I like reading. <laughs> so you mentioned Joel and you mentioned Percy and Stephen Yee. Are there any other um, publications that you find helpful? Um, well, look, James Montier is uh, a man who is not famous but who writes wonderfully. He writes well um, and he's uh, he, he writes a newsletter which is unfortunately finished now because he's moved to GMO which is um, you know the bond, um, mm-hmm. the huge bond uh, company. Um, yeah, but he still writes occasional papers in that. But he's got a couple of books out called uh, Value Investing, I think, or something like that. Um, he, he's he's really worth a read. And uh, um, there's another guy called, and I've lost his name, uh, but he works for Al- uh, uh, Alpha Investing, Wesley. Can't think of it, but and he's written uh, value investing, another book, uh, quantitative value is his book. But he also writes about momentum, um, um, and and uh, again, they're producing. They're not just kind of producing an idea. They they are actually academics who produce data and go back over thirty, forty years of um, price changes in not just in the US but in multiple markets around the world. So it's, it's really quite interesting. And it's it's digestible. It's not too academic. How much longer do you feel you're going to be working? And do you have your eye on retirement and your ultimate goal for all this investing? God, you'll scare all my patients to death. I'm asked that very regularly. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Look, I don't know. I'm, I'm only in my early uh, 60, so uh, and psychiatrists, the average age of retirement for a psychiatrist is 72. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> we, work, well, um, we work a long time. Well, it's a very interesting job and it's, uh, it's not uh, procedural based like surgeons, mm-hmm. so you can keep doing it. In fact, as you get older, you probably get better. So, um, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I would, wouldn't think I'd retire before three to five years. Maybe then I'll see how my health is and how I'm feeling. Um, mm. But at, at the moment, I'm going to keep going. Well, if to cut back a little bit. If you've listened to this week's Spotlight with Don and Patricia Egger, it will probably give you a new outlook on how much longer you should be working because they have redefined middle age. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, we're supposed to work to 75 now or something. Middle age is 50 to 75, according to the Edgars. <laughs> we're, we'll be publishing that this afternoon, so you get a little bit of a preview oh. from me oh, for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think I feel a bit beyond middle age sometimes anyway. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're keeping very active, so that's the key, and retraining and being open to learning. So I think you're well on your way. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, Dr. Blum. If that's okay, lovely to talk to you, Buffy. Perfect. This was Buffy Gorilla on the ConstantInvestor.com, and I was speaking to Curious Investor Graham Blum.